Welcome to Locked On Heat. On today's show, we talk about the Heat's biggest problems in Game 4, how they can correct them going into Game 5, which is set to be the biggest playoff game for the Heat in a decade. What more do the Heat need from Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero, and a whole lot more? Who has the edge, the Heat or the Celtics? Mo Dekeel is here. We'll tell you everything you need to know on today's episode of Locked On Heat. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. However you may be joining us on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm here with Mo Dekiel, basketball video breakdown and explainer extraordinaire who does great work on the Athletic NBA show. Bleach Report has recently started popping up on the Dan Lebitard's podcast network and uh, also a former NBA uh, video coordinator. So all of this to say, Mo, really knows what he's talking about. I could not think of anybody better to bring on <laughs> uh, the afternoon after the Heat got blown out by the Celtics in Game 4. The Heat missed their first 14 shots, went nearly nine whole minutes before they scored and by the time the Celtics were up 50-23 to 23 in the second quarter, this game was already over. You could probably argue it was over even before then. That said, it's been a weird series. Each team following a bad loss with an impressive win. There's plenty of stuff to carve into here as we head into this pivotal Game 5. But, Mo, do you feel like... Do you have any sense of feel for how this series has gone and, and what has sort of stood out to you early here? I have no feel anymore it's anytime you feel like you have an idea or it's like okay I've watched all these games I'm ready I got the handle of it and then you go in and it's just like psh, five minutes in everything you thought of or whatever is out the window and almost even before because you know the biggest thing Wes that I don't think people are really talking about in this series is just we haven't had a game where both teams were at full strength mm -hmm. we just really we just haven't had that yet and it's been a, a very interesting thing you know it's it's one game, this guy's in. One game, this guy's out. You know, okay, the the Heat get Kyle Lowry. Okay, the Celtics don't have Robert Williams. Okay, uh, they get Robert Williams back, but no Mark is smart. Well, the Heat, you know, Lowry's still playing. Jimmy Butler's going to play after missing the second half, but no Tyler Hero, right? Like, there's, right. it's just a very weird sort of thing. It's like, it's almost... I have no idea what to expect for Game 5 because I have no idea who's going to be playing and healthy for that game. Right. I mean, Marcus Smart comes back in game three, or, or I'm sorry, game two, helps the Celtics win that game. And I'm writing afterwards for the Miami Herald, Marcus Smart has changed the series, changed the complexion of the series, and then he's out another game. And it doesn't even matter at that point that Marcus Smart is not playing in that game because all of a sudden Derek White is awesome defensively. Like, it's just different guys are stepping up and doing these different things. I guess we could start with the injuries there because what stood out to me these last couple games is that even if Jimmy Butler played last night, something's not right with him. That that knee inflammation that kept him out of the second half two games ago uh, was clearly still bothering him in Game Four last night. Uh, this was uh, it was just noticeably a different Jimmy Butler, right? You just what has made Jimmy Butler so great in these playoffs, and why I've gotten to the point of arguing that he's a superstar, like a legit guy, like a franchise number one is that he makes an impact on every possession of the game. And I don't know that you could say that about really a whole lot of guys in the NBA. 
And my argument this entire time was, I don't think you could say that about the remaining stars in these playoffs, whether it's Tatum, Luka, even Steph, like, you know, because of what Steph does, he's not really doing a whole lot defensively the way that Jimmy Butler is. Like every possession, offense or defense, you felt Jimmy Butler's presence all postseason long until last night. And it was almost like he wasn't even on the court, man. And I, I don't, you, you hate to just be like, well, it's just injury. And after the game, Jimmy Butler's like, can't blame the injuries. It's not bothering me. But um, it was clearly bothering him. And I don't think that if that if that's going to be something going forward, if he can't get over this knee inflammation by Wednesday night for game five, I think you just, you know, fold it up. You know, like this, this series is over because you need Jimmy Butler at the very least to play Jason Tatum to a draw and then hope that, you know, that your teammates kind of rally and outplay Boston's guys. But... Uh, if if Jimmy's not healthy, I don't know what the Heat can do. Are you with me on that? Yeah, I think the most telling thing is zero free throw attempts for Jimmy in 27 minutes. You know, listen, I'm not expecting a ton of free throws in a short amount of time, especially a game that was a blowout. But this is a guy that's averaged 7.6 free throws a game in the playoffs. And he's done a great job. In game one, he shot like 1,000 free throws. And by the way, I felt like they were fouls. I didn't feel like it was one right. of those instances where it was like, oh, the Celtics are really getting screwed by the refs. I felt like, yo, these were legitimate fouls. You know, I know Celtics fans felt different about that, but, you know, that is what it, it is what it is there. But you can just sense it, and there was no lift in his jump. You know, Robert Williams was a a, a nice, you know, addition for the Celtics and, and, and a good influence in game four, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't feel like Jimmy had the, the bounce to go attack him get into his body and then try to draw a foul on him, pump fake him and go and, and, and things like that. I felt like it was a bit more um, grounded, yeah. you know, and, and, and his game. And I think that's kind of what led to a lot of the, the downfall for the Celtics, in, er, excuse me, for the heat in this game, you know, and, and, and allowed the Celtics to kind of just come out and, hey, punch him in the mouth in the first five, six minutes. I mean, it was 18 mm-hmm. to one. Yeah. And, you know, I thought the Celtics did a really nice job of kind of making the Heat shoot from where they wanted the Heat to shoot. You even look at the three-pointers Miami got. Like, very few of them were even in the corners. It was all above the break stuff. Um, they were barely getting to the rim, and then when they were, it wasn't even like, you know, people could talk about rim numbers and stuff like that, but watch that game. It wasn't even like dunks, right? Like, when they even get into the rim, you know, they were a foot away from being able to dunk, and so all of a sudden they had to do, like, these finger roll layups and things like that, which obviously don't have the same percentage as just a straight put-the-ball-in-the-basket type dunk thing. So, you know, with Jimmy, there were there were instances, like you said, where Robert Williams got switched on to him. And that sh- I know Robert Williams is great, and he was the defensive player of the year, according to the Celtics, before he got hurt. And then Celtics state media started pushing Marcus Smart. But, <laughs> uh, you know, that's still a guy that Jimmy Butler should be able to blow by on a perimeter switch, right? Like, that's still something that Jimmy Butler should be able to do. And he just clearly was not able to do that last night. And there were just... there were concrete examples of him getting Robert Williams on the switch and then just sort of running into his body and then just getting rid of the back, back, backing up and and just getting rid of the ball. Um, They need Butler to play with that first step, with that force to get downhill, force Boston's defense to react. And then you can get them in scramble mode. And by the way, they need the same thing from Bam Adebayo, especially if they're not going to get it from Jimmy and Bam, after doing that, all of game three, just bringing the ball up, getting downhill, being decisive, looking at the basket, all of a sudden just reverted back to, eh, not that interested in it anymore. Yeah, pa- passive bam is a problem. Yeah. You know, and the fact that he only had one shot attempt in the first ha- in the first quarter, you know, was, was shocking to me. I, you know, after what we saw in game three, 
it was allowing it was him attacking, looking aggressive and driving and really attacking Horford. Yeah, I get it. Williams changes the complexion here a little bit. It's another weak side help guy. That's not who's guarding Bam primarily. Mm-hmm. It's Horford. And he wasn't attacking him as aggressively as he was in game three. But I also felt like some of that had to do with just the Miami Heat in general. I felt like their pace was really off at the start of this game. You know, there were a couple of possessions where Lowry tried to push the ball up the court and then they would slow down, you know, mm-hmm. once they got into the half court. That's a big one, you know, for me. In, in the third game, they really did fly up the court in the first half, right? Like they went yeah. nuts early on and, and really kind of cashed in on a lot of that stuff. And I feel like the 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 pace just slowed so much. Right. And that's where Bam got going. You know, and some of that was Kyle Lowry there. And then once they started playing in the half court set on a regular basis, it allowed the Boston defense to really kind of attack. And I thought they did a great job as the Celtics, you know, rotating and things like that. They showed a lot of bodies on the few occasions where Bam was able to kind of get by Williams. There was help at the rim. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's one in the first quarter that's, you know, Jalen Brown kind of shows a bit, you know, and, and Al Horford's right there. Like there was a lot of stuff that that made it difficult for them. The Miami Heat are at their best when they're playing a little bit more up-tempo, a little bit more speed, yeah. even in the half court. And it's running right. in the screens, running actions, and things like that. It was too stagnant. Yeah. And in that, because in you're, that oper- Well, because you're allowing the Celtics. Yeah. yeah, and you're, you're allowing the Celtics to make their rotations. I mean, the whole plan with Robert Williams is, hey, you know what? I'm going to sort of fake covering, like defending P.J. Tucker for like a second, maybe a second and a half into the shot clock. And then I'm just gonna slide into the paint, and I'm gonna t- and I'm gonna start building this wall with either Jalen Brown or Al Horford, depending if it's Bam or Jimmy Butler attacking. And uh, if you are attacking earlier, right? If you're playing with more pace, to your point, you're you're that's that's the counter to that, right? It's because you don't you're not giving Robert Williams all that time. The same thing too when Peyton Pritchard is in the game. The Celtics were doing a really nice job of because the first couple games here. You've had Jimmy Butler just taking Peyton Pritchard, calling his man up for a screen, getting him on the switch, and then just going downhill on Peyton Pritchard and, and attacking him on that switch. But the Celtics did a really nice job of calling Pritchard out of those switches, and then you'd have like Grant Williams or Robert Williams or whomever like rolling over and then and and doing that. And if you're Jimmy Butler and you're just sort of posting up, putting your butt into Pritchard and just like kind of letting letting Boston get into their rotations, like that's no way to attack this defense. You need to move quickly with purpose with decisiveness and the thing is we saw them do that in game three and they just got away from it in game four i'm going to ask you like how much i mean the biggest difference from a personnel standpoint is robert williams wasn't there game three was there game four miami all of a sudden is in their head i mean how much is robert williams responsible for that and when you see him leave pj tucker just completely ignore him on the perimeter and just play the painted area like what's the counter to that for miami I mean, Williams definitely had an impact. There's no question about it. You know, there were times where they just felt discouraged in the paint. You know, it's funny. In the first quarter, they took a lot of shots in the paint. They just only made one, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, I feel like they were a bit hesitant with those things and stuff like that. I think they got to play aggressive in that they got to hit first in the sense of literally make contact with with Williams. Like, I wouldn't be upset if they got a charge call or an offensive foul call because they finished and they tried to finish through Williams. I think they have to kind of get into his body and then go up with it and be more aggressive with it and more forceful. I think Jimmy even said after the game, like, they got to play with more force with that Mm -hmm. stuff. 
And then the counter, too. If he's not going to guard P.J. Tucker, you got to find Tucker in the corner. There was a play in the first quarter where Bam goes up for a layup. I think he got fouled, maybe. Um, but, like, he had a easy kick out to mm-hmm. Tucker in the corner because Williams literally pulled off of him. And Tucker's a good three-point shooter in the corners. you got to take advantage of those opportunities. It was early in the game, but I think if you're going to get so tunnel vision on that stuff, you got to make those passes and those kickouts. And that was a big part of Bam's game three that doesn't get talked about much. Those six, six assists, assists. Were, were critical. Yep. And I think that was something that really helped the offense continue to get going in that game for the the heat. Like that's your template for Miami. Yeah. Well, we're going to look ahead more to game five and what Eric Spolstra specifically can do to get a bounce back win here. But first I want to tell you guys about Built Bar. And look, you guys have heard me read about Built Bar over and over again for a long time. And I'm telling you, this is when Built Bar is my playoffs MVP. These late nights recording at 2.30 in the morning, way past my dinner time, way past my dessert time, way past my bedtime. But I still need a snack because I'm trying to work and put out this great content. And that's when I have a Built Bar in my bag. I pull it out, I eat it, and I suddenly have enough energy to just get through the rest of my work. If you haven't tried the Built Puffs yet, then you're missing out. Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. With 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar, brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up for any day. All Built Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means that with Built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to built.com. Get brownie batter puffs right now. Again, go to built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Now make sure to go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and the author of the NBA Big Board newsletter gives fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and big boards. It's free, and it's available wherever you get your podcast. Here with Mo Keel to talk all things Heat Celtics. Um, if you're Eric Spolstra, and... We'll talk about this in a bit, but you have a video coordinator background. Eric Spolstra has a video coordinator background. So I'm going to ask you to put yourself in Spo's shoes. What's the first thing that you want to get corrected and figure out going into game five? I, I think it's a lot of the same stuff we talked about. It's how do I speed us up? How do, us, how do I get us to attack in where we're going? And I think the other thing is how do I keep Robert Williams off the glass? You know, I mm. think he, he really hurt them. With just his ability to crash. I mean, you're you start small when you're the Miami Heat, you know, and you're gonna put PJ Tucker on Jason Tatum. So now you're gonna put a guy like Max Drews on Williams. Yeah. And that's a problem there because he's able to kind of come in and and you know, he has five offensive rebounds in this game. And he's going to have the size advantage. He's gonna crash. It's gonna put yourself in a situation. So you gotta figure out how you're gonna rebound a little bit better and keep him off the paint. And I think that's the the uh, a, a critical thing because if you can get the stops then you can push the pace and that's that's part of it right but if you get a stop and give up an offensive rebound well right. now you're screwed and I think that's probably where you got to start yeah this is another instance where I think Jimmy Butler's injury really hurts because you 
the game plan was always, all right, we're going to put P.J. Tucker on Jason Tatum. It's what we did in the regular season. It's what we've done in the playoffs. But I think there was a layer for the Heat to get to in crunch time, game on the line, stuff like that, where you could put Jimmy Butler on Jason Tatum. And then you could slide P.J. Tucker onto another big. And now you're not with that small on big mismatch like you were talking about, whether it be Struz or somebody else. And I thought last night had Jimmy Butler been healthy, we might have seen that look from, from Spolster where – Okay, sorry, Jimmy, man. Like, we gave you as much of a break as possible, but now you got to do, like, now you got to cover Tatum on defense and you got to keep doing what you're doing on offense. Like, you got to do it on both ends at this even heightened level. The way we kind of saw Jimmy guard LeBron a little bit in the finals, in the bubble, right? Like, I think we could have seen something like that, but with Jimmy being hampered the way that he clearly is, that, that, that option is just sort of now off the table. And so. I don't know if you're the Heat, if there is another way to kind of get to that where you're not giving up so much size because Boston starts so big. And to your point, Bam is basically as big as their power forward playing center. P.J. Tucker is still like that's still sort of a height mismatch, even if you kind of put him on a big. But it's certainly a better deal than putting Struess on him. I don't know. I don't know what, what you can do other than just sort of hope and pray that Jimmy Butler miraculously gets healthy in time for game five. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's it's challenging because you just what you got to hope is that Struce hits shots on the other yeah. end to make it harder for them to have to play uh Robert Williams and things like that right like it's got to mm-hmm. make make them change the calculus there like part of it is sometimes your best defense is your offense and Struce just 0 for 7 you know and 0 for 4 from 3 like you're you're really you know struggling with him on the court there and then he's given up offensive rebounds and things that's no fault of his own like you're asking him to box out a pogo stick like it's not really an easy situation for him the dude can just jump right over him I feel like there's a lot of challenges in that area and that's something that just kind of stood out so maybe you even have to change the matchups here a little bit and say like hey you know Tucker you gotta we gotta keep Williams off the glass like mm-hmm. we're just gonna have to live with Struce either on Brown or Tatum probably gonna put him on on Brown and just hope Jimmy can hold up against Tatum long enough, you know, and I think, you know, there might be a little bit more zone stuff. We might see some of that, but also rebounding out of a zone is difficult. It's hard. And and, and I think, you know, that's one of the drawbacks to it. So, yeah. you know, you're here's the thing. You don't have good answers right now if you're Miami because you're not going to do something silly and start Deadman. Right with no. alongside Bam, right? Like you're not going to do that. Like no. you know, there's, I'm sure there's a large chorus of people that don't want Deadman to play at all. And I feel yeah. like there's there's a, a a challenge with all of that stuff. So you're you're in that difficult situation of trying to figure out like how how can we rebound effectively because that's that's been a big trigger for them. Yeah. Right, you get the stops. You get it to Lowry. Lowry finds the kick-ahead pass, and you're able to attack quickly and on the other end is is really what you need to be looking for. Well, and you hit on something also, which is the three-point shooting. Like, if Struess is 0 for 7, and, you know, Duncan Robinson got into a little bit of a rhythm in the fourth quarter when the game was clearly just already over. Um, I don't know if that carries over. The broadcast seemed to think that maybe it would, or maybe they're just looking for something to talk about. But Duncan Robinson hasn't found a rhythm all playoffs long, in part because he hasn't had consistent minutes. Um, does he become a factor for them earlier in the game with like real minutes, probably next to Bam Adebayo where you could get some DHO triggers and things like that, um, which weren't really part of the game plan in game four. There's things you could do. Uh, Maybe the answer isn't like, Hey, how do we match up with Boston? It's how do we get Boston to match up with us a little bit more? The problem with that is that the heat have been shooting basically 33% in the playoffs from three point range. They haven't had a game 
basically since Joel Embiid entered the Sixers series, they've only had one game in which they've shot better than 33.3% from three-point range. This is from the best three-point shooting team by percentage in the NBA's regular season. All of a sudden, those like it, they haven't been able to get consistent from beyond the arc, whether it's Struess, you know, Lowry's injury is certainly a factor in that, but even like Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin, guys who've been making shots in the regular season, not making those shots in the playoffs. P.J. Tucker has been streaky. Like, they're not getting that same level of three-point shooting. And and even from Tyler Hero, who's just missed, what, like 23 of his last 25 or something three-point attempts? Yeah. Like, they, as much as they need Jimmy Butler to be healthy, like, if they're not making shots, like, this is, this is the formula for Miami to get to the finals is Jimmy Butler plays as well as anybody else on the other team, and Miami's shooters make shots. And right now, those two things aren't happening. But I, I don't know what else they can do other than Hope that they just finally get the 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 regression back to the mean where they start making shots all of a sudden. Yeah, it's hard to kind of just bank on that, right? Like with you know, you're from what you've seen, you know, this might be the mean for the playoffs, you know, and, yeah. and that's the scary prospect of it. But I think the I'm I'm a bit of a believer in hey, maybe give Duncan some first half minutes with Bam. Yeah. You got to trigger that stuff. It's not just about Duncan Robinson, but it's also about Bam. Yeah. Right. It it opens up that elbow game there for Bam a little bit more. Like there's not been a lot of that in these playoffs where they just run their offense through Bam in the high post and the elbow and things like that and let him create. And yeah, I know Al Horford's a problem and 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 can muscle him up there, but you got to get to it. You can't get away from what you do. And I think that's one of the problems that you know, has kind of plagued them because it's taken them out of their rhythm. Now they're getting different types of threes than they were getting in the regular season. And it's not just Robinson. You could run that with Hero when he's on the floor. You can run that with Struess even when he's on the floor. Like, their threat of a three of shooting is going to get the defense to react and might open up stuff for Bam. Like, go back to game three. They got a lot of opportunities where it was a fake handoff into uh, – you know, driving to the basket. Bam got a couple. I know Tucker got one for sure. Mm-hmm. And I know some of it is, hey, the the Celtics are playing a bit of a drop. Well, that's fine, you know, because that, that means it's open threes if Bam sets a good right. screen on the dribble handoff. And I think you, you can live with that. But the key is you got to make the shots. Yeah. And that's one of those things. That's not coaching. That's not anything, you know, like anybody wants any expert analysis. Yes, make shots is the, is, <laughs> is the analysis. Well, the crazy thing is those shots have been there, to your point, the all series, especially when Robert Williams is in the game, everybody's looking for this counter to Robert Williams. Run a screen with his man, he's dropping 100% of the time. And that there were so many opportunities where Max Struess just came around that BAM screen. BAM even levels the, his guy on the screen. He sets a really good screen, and Struess just misses the open look. And sometimes it is just make or miss, but you like it starts there. Like You've got to make those shots because they're open. They're there anytime you want them. And then, like you said, now you're creating space for Bam. You, you, now, Robert Williams, you're making uh, Boston's defense just think about it a little bit more. Hey, do we need to close out on these shooters a little bit more? A one-step, one-way, and now Bam's got a straight line into the paint and at the basket, and now he's at the rim. Um, the other thing, too, is I think Bam just – you mentioned the, the like kind of the pace. Like, he needs to play with a lot more decisiveness and a lot more – like, he was just going in Game 3. Yeah. He was going, grabbing the rebound – in transition, doing a Giannis impression, and he's at the basket, where I just, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was because Robert Williams was behind Al Horford or whoever it was that was guarding him, Grant Williams, whatever, but he just sort of like softly, like gingerly would like prod, kind of just like jab here, jab there, kind of look around, 
and then just sort of retreat into some random dribble handoff, call Struess or whoever back, and just be like, let's just do this and see if something happens. And now you're getting into all these, oh, yeah, it looks nice, right? Like, oh, dribble handoff, that's what the Heat do. Like, that's their thing. But it's not really with a purpose. Now you're just sort of doing it to do it, and you're just kind of taking seconds off the shot clock. With Against the Celtics defense, they're too good. you got to know exactly what you're doing, and you got to do it quickly, and you got to do it early. And I just feel like we keep going back to this thing, and I think it's like what our friend South Partner likes to say. Sometimes the best adjustment is just play better. And yeah. it kind of feels like, well, that's what the Heat have to do here. It's it's just funny to me. Like, it's like Bam should not be afraid of Robert Williams. No. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just, you know, and Robert Williams is really good and 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 a key to their defense and things like that. Bam needs to go through him. Like, there's not anything, you know, it's it's I think Bam has the same game in game three, whether Robert Williams is there or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just what we saw in game four was a hesitancy type thing, and it's bam, you gotta go. Like it's Everything you said was right on, and that's where it's the pace again. If you slow down, it allows the defense to load up. It allows them to attack. Also, one more thing from Miami on the other guys. You got to cut and move. You can't just stand around there and allow them. Like, when they load up on you, you got to cut. Your movement will get the defense to move in some way. It'll get one dude to be like, oh, crap, and then move out of his position and open up a driving lane or a passing lane. It's Those are the things that need to happen there. It was just a real pitiful performance offensively from Miami, and it wasn't just, hey, they shot well or they shot poorly. It was more just, hey, like, we're not doing anything. We're just standing yeah. and watching, and we're playing a little bit scared, and that was something I wasn't expecting. No Tyler Hero as well in Game 4. His status for Game 5 is in question, but this is somebody who the home crowd in Miami adores Tyler Hero, but he has not had a great playoff run so far. We'll talk about that next with Mo Dekiel, but first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, flights, and even the next season NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sport wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. Back here on Locked on Heat, thank you for subscribing and liking our videos on YouTube, for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a five-star rating and review if you can. Here with Mo Dekiel talking Heat Celtics Game 5. Tyler Hero. Um, first of all, I think they need him to be healthy. They need his shot creation. They need his playmaking. But he hasn't really brought that, not just in this series, but in these playoffs overall for quite a while. Can the Heat win this series if they're not getting a Tyler Hero breakout? I think they can but it just means other guys have to deliver, right? Yeah. It just puts more added pressure on, you know, everybody from Lowry, from Jimmy, from Struess, you know, Bam, Tucker. Like everybody's got to pick up that flow there a little bit. I think the it 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 well, it's just a dumb thing to say uh, what I'm about to say, but it just makes it harder, right? Like right. you need you need Tyler to kind of step up and be aggressive, and it's hard with the groin. You know, with a groin injury now, it's going to be very yeah. interesting to see if he's got that burst and can explode and, and you know, really kind of come off screens. Like, Boston's not going to get out of play and drop. So can he come mm-hmm. off that screen and get right into the pull-ups and, and knock down those shots with, you know, with ease and kind of fluidity that we're used to seeing? I feel like that's going to be the big question. It's it, it's I think they can win the series 
you know, without Hero, but it's got to be the other guys got to wake mm-hmm. up and get going. Let's talk about those other guys. And I'm glad you mentioned pull-up threes because those are really the looks that the Heat are going to be getting on this drop defense, right? It's not even just those catch. Like, they'll get some of the catch-and-shoot stuff from kickouts. Like, they need to find P.J., to your point, in the corner because he's there, and you got to get Robert Williams to just think about leaving him a little bit instead of just making that decision one second into the shot clock. But um, for this, for Struess, for Kyle Lowry, who's made a few of these pull-up shots since he came back, and especially for Tyler Hero, who's been so good at those pull-ups all season long, one of the better pull-up shooters in the league, why he got sixth man of the year, and that stuff has just gone away. When I when we heard the groin injury news, that's that made sense to me. Like That, that checked out because I was like, this guy just doesn't look the same, and he hasn't looked the same for quite a while. And I have the impression that he's been dealing with this groin issue for for quite a while in these playoffs. But um, when we talk about those other guys, who should these other guys be? Because there's been a little bit of a conversation about Miami shortening the rotation here. Uh, we mentioned Dwayne Dedman's name earlier. I don't think that this is a Dwayne Dedman series. Right. He looks lost out there. He looks much slower against a much more athletic front line uh, in Boston. Um, like who, like if you're Spolstra, like who, who are the dudes at this point that you trust? Like who are your seven or eight guys that you would play in this series? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's the question that you're really trying to figure out. I think the, we, we know the top five, I think off the bench, you know, Gabe Vincent for sure. Cause he's going to spell Lowry a little bit. If hero's healthy, that's, that's seven. I think, you know, you have to look at, you know, you got to look at Victor Oladipo. I don't think he's been very good defensively. I know everybody's going to be going nuts. He had four steals in game three and stuff like that. Those balls were basically handed to him by Jalen Brown, like literally going like, here, take this. I don't want it anymore. Um, Things and and, and so on. And I know he had a good game last night. I mean, it actually sucks for Miami. They wasted a 23-point game from uh, uh, Oladipo. And 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 that that kind of hurts there a little bit, but ultimately, I don't think he's that helpful. But they're gonna need him. They're gonna need him on the court just because they need bodies. Yeah, and they those might... twenty three Oladipo points, like it was, they needed somebody to step up, and Oladipo is like the closest thing they have that when Tyler Hero's not in the game to just a dude that can go get his own shot. But he also sort of needs that space to, and that sort of, um, just like Spo just allowing him. To just go freelance a little bit. And that's also like on that, like that's what's kind of gotten him in trouble in this heat offense is that he just sort of freelances, looks to just create for himself and not necessarily for others a whole lot. Like there's been a lot of plays, not just in these playoffs, but even when he came back in the regular season where uh, he just sort of breaks off from Miami's movement stuff and he'll just like ignore open shooters and then just take somebody off the dribble. And I know that he's still trying to test it and he's trying to be like courageous and, and, be on that knee and test that knee and get to the basket and get to his game. But, um, and it's tough when you're not playing for so much of the season, you're sort of thrown into the mix here. But, um, you know, sometimes like there's, there's, it's a double-edged sword is basically what I'm trying to say is like that freelancing last night looked really good when you were down by 25 points in the second quarter. Right. But on, on most competitive nights, you don't really want all that freelancing happening all that much. It's a tough balance. I mean, there was there are games. I think it was game two where like he's coming into the game and trying to do stuff, 
you know, dribble pull-ups off, you know, for three mm-hmm. coming off of a handoff and things like that. Those aren't the shots I want from Oladipo. Like, yeah. if anything, I want him attacking the basket and putting pressure at the rim and trying to draw fouls. I don't want him hanging out on the perimeter. He's never really been that great of a shooter. He's never been that great of a mid-range guy. Like, those are the shots that Boston's like, yeah, no, take those, please. It's fine. Right. We'll, you, you make enough of those, we'll be fine with it. We're okay. That means the other guys aren't doing it. We're okay with that. And I think those are the things that are important there. But in terms of, you know, where Spolster goes on the rest of the bench, I mean, I don't I think those are their, his eight. And mm-hmm. even if we take Deadman out, I think now you're asking PJ Tucker, who's 37 and, and, and asking him to play five, you know, yeah. playing some center at, for for minutes. And I think that's just really hard to put on him. Who He's also been banged up quite a bit in this series. And I yeah. feel like, you know, that's that's part of the problem is they as bad as Deadman has been. Who else are you going to put in there? The, the Celtics are big. Horford's yeah. a big dude, you know, Robert Williams, even Grant Williams is pushing people around like they, they got size. Yeah, Rowan Nod Carney from Sports Illustrated came on the show last night after the game and, and threw out the idea of maybe just throw Markeith Morris in there for five minutes in the first half and just see what happens. Um, even if it's just a spell, uh, uh, Bam out of bio a few minutes in the first half so that he could play down the stretch in the second half. You know, if he could play, you know, 20 of the 24 minutes in the second half and then you're playing four minutes with PG at the five. Maybe you could survive with that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that you just need to play your top guys more minutes. I mean, it's game five. That's what happens. I mean, it's playoffs. The Celtics like, are going to do the same thing. Yeah. Playoffs. Uh, your guys should be playing about 40 minutes. But then we're getting into, okay, is Jimmy Butler able to? You're you right. know, we're kind of back into that conversation. But still, like, that's sort of where you got to go with this. Uh, and, and we're kind of getting back to, like, one name you didn't mention, who we both agreed probably should get some run here, is Duncan Robinson. And this kind of gets back to Eric Spolstra's tough decisions that he's had to make all playoffs. Is like Duncan Robinson early in that game, like spoke game plan some Duncan Robinson minutes, it looked like. And he came in and picked up two fouls in like six minutes or whatever it was. And those foul issues are a real concern. But at the same time, you need somebody to loosen up this Celtics defense. And that's sort of why I think Spo has done it the way he has. All right, if Struess isn't going to hit shots, if Lowry isn't going to hit shots, if Tyler Hero when available isn't going to hit shots, then we kind of do have to go to Duncan Robinson. But because of that, because Duncan Robinson's minutes and, and opportunities have been so inconsistent, he hasn't really found a rhythm. So I don't know if you try to just bring Duncan Robinson in early and just see, but like the defensive concerns are real, right? Like that's a real thing that Spolstra has to figure out. I mean, your your best bet is maybe when Peyton Pritchard's in the game. Yeah. Is trying to put Duncan Robinson in there. And, and and hope it doesn't hurt you that much. Um, I think because they're going to target him yeah. the second he's in the game and they're going to try to get him switched. And then you just got to work to not not switch. I mean, you yeah. can't concede a switch. That's it's just that simple. Hey, Robinson, if you're in, we can't concede the switch. You got to show really well and get back to your guy like mm-hmm. you literally can't switch. And, you know, whoever's the other guy setting the screen you know, who's on the other side of that, you got to do a great job getting Robinson out of that. And I think that's like, that's just a massive difference. You talked about how well Boston did switching out Peyton Pritchard. There are going to be those situations for Miami if they could put Robinson on the court. And I just don't know if they've gotten even enough practice with that to be able to get him out of it. And that's going to be a concern. Yeah. Especially considering that Boston is so much bigger that once you start kind of scrambling that way, you could kind of just throw it like that opens up possibly just throwing it over the top. For like lobs to Robert Williams yeah. or, or Grant Williams or whoever. But um, all right. So I, anything else on Heat Celtics? 
No, man, I think it's, listen, the one thing I'd say is it's 2-2. It's like, it feels like everybody's very doom, gloom, the Heat are done, yeah. you know, and this is what it felt like when it was 1-1, and then the Heat had a monster game two, uh, game three, you know, it's, it's, it's I, I think it's still 2-2, like, I think this is still a tight series, it's just a question now of, like, who's healthy, and by the way, Robert Williams was limping around a little bit last night too. So it's not sure. like I can, we can say like for sure definitively, like he's going to be right for game five. That's kind of been what's gone on this series. I, I it, obviously this is a huge game for both teams, but I, I, I don't know if we should look at this as like, Oh, this is all over for Miami. It's completely done. I feel like you just got to watch for it and go like, Hey, like, there's still some good chances there because, like, when Miami's right and healthy, like, they're a really good basketball team. Right. Um, I got a couple questions for you um, about being a former video coordinator. We all know that that's a big part of Eric Spolstra's story. So do you feel, like, a kinship with Spo? Is there, like, a click? Do you guys have, like, a club, like, member cards that you guys have as as former video <laughs> coordinators? If we do, mine got lost in the mail. Um <laughs> No, but I think there's an element of understanding of like, wow, you did the work, you know, and, and, and it's, it's hard in the video room. Like you're literally just, most of these video rooms don't have windows folks. Like you're in right. a dark room, a little bit of a cave. You, you know, like when I was with the Clippers, we didn't even have a practice facility. Our video room was at Staples center. And so like we had the servers constantly you know, humming in our ears and like on nights I had to break down games while there's a, uh, um, I don't know, uh, spice girls concert or whatever in sync or something or, or whatever. And like the whole room's vibrating cause I'm underneath by the base and like trying to break down games and everything's going nuts. Um, and things like that. It's, it's, you, you know, the work was done. Like when you go like this guy was a video guy, you know, you're like, well, look, he definitely put in some sleepless nights breaking down tape and stuff like that. You have that understanding. So there's there's a lot of that. So, you know, but no membership cards, at least as far <laughs> as I know. How, how do you think that helped him become the head coach? Because there's so much that goes into Eric's bolster, right? Like there's there's like the the just sort of the adoption of all the Pat Riley stuff. And like Pat Riley was the last guy that was coming up from the video coordinator room. Right. And so there's such a difference there when you compare their two sort of stories and backstories. But. Um, specific to the video coordinator thing, how did that prepare Spolstra to now be a very successful head coach, one of the top 15 of all time, according to the NBA, second longest tenured head coach in the NBA? Yeah, it's one, it just, you've seen everything mm -hmm. for the most part, right? Like you have a, divi uh, uh, a, divi a diverse, I can't say the word today, diverse view of basketball and you've kind of devel developed your philosophy your whole way up, you know? And I think, you know, the, the video coordinator was just part of his path, right? He worked his way up out of the video mm -hmm. room, but he didn't go from the video room right to being a head coach, right? Like right. he was, he worked his way second row on the, you know, bench and, and, and climbed from there. And then from there first row and, and, and eventually kind of earning it along the way. It's just part of his path. So, you know, just along the way you develop your, your philosophy and things like that. There are things you like, there are things you don't like, there are, you know, you pull clips aside for your own personal playbook and stuff like that. I feel like those are just part of what he's done. Yeah. Um, you worked under Doc Rivers, right? Uh, what were, did you think that, um, kind of going back to that Sixers series, like what did you think about the way Doc approached that series? What do you, what's like, what do you make of everything that's kind of going on with him and the Sixers right now? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, 
you know, I, we should be full disclosure. I worked for Doc for a year and then he fired my ass. Okay. Um, the, the, uh, <laughs> uh, so it wasn't like a long tenured, uh, run with Doc and, uh, you know, um, not 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 the best best experience but the ultimate thing is did you get like the grumbly like mo you're fired like what did what, what uh we don't need to relive those moments we, we don't need to pour salt on old wounds rip up old stuff here like what are we doing here Wes? um uh, the, the what i'll say you threw you was, under the bus like paul reed <laughs> no 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 i i actually had a pretty bad year so i probably deserve to get fired um the ultimate <laughs> thing though with doc and 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 the sixers and just kind of how he handled the series is He's a very stubborn guy, and that's something a lot of coaches are, right? And right. he sticks to his guns, and he has his guys. And, you know, you know, I wrote about it. Like, I thought it was nuts that he kept playing DeAndre Jordan even when Embiid was out. You know, it was like, yo, go small. You got to junk this up a little bit. You got to be more willing to change things here and there. I think my, my bigger issue with Doc is just the lack of creativity in general mm-hmm. um, with lineups and rotations and, and, and willing to try things. And also just in the regular season, experimenting with guys, you know, look, Miami had found some guys in Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, Duncan Robinson from years before that comes from being willing to play through those guys making mm-hmm. mistakes. Doc doesn't do that so much with the young guys. Right. I mean, he did right. it with Tyrese Maxey and we saw how it panned out. He didn't do, do it much with Paul Reed. And now Paul Reed had to kind of learn on the fly in a second round playoff series. Like right. it's a bit challenging there. Yeah. Well, I, for one, am glad that Doc Rivers fired you because otherwise we wouldn't be able to talk to you, Mo, and we wouldn't get all this great content that you're doing. Again, you can check out all of his work. Uh, Bleacher Report, he's got words over there. Always on podcasts over at the Athletic NBA Show feed, so you could subscribe to that. He's popping up on the Lebitard feed as well, and you've got this great uh, One Mo thing on Twitch, and you could follow that on Twitter, at MoDeckGill underscore NBA. If you're watching on YouTube, it's right there under his picture. Mo, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. Of course, and that'll do it for us today. Remember to like and subscribe to Locked On Heat on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Comment, leave a five-star rating, and reach us on Twitter at Locked On Heat. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NBA. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday. In less than 30 minutes, it's free. It's available wherever you get your podcasts.